Hello, Jordan. What's up, Michael? We're here. We're live. You might hear my daughter screaming in the background. I think it was this morning she discovered that she can just shriek really loud at, for no reason. So she just, you know, walking around like doing like the little toddler wobble and just out of nowhere, she'll just be like, <laughs> she's fo- she found her vocal cords. She's going to be a big singer. smile on her face. She's like, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, I heard yeah. her doing it before. It sounds cute. What's up with you, brother? Dude, I was just thinking about the time that I went to the dermatologist because you recommended I go to a dermatologist because I'd never been to one for my entire life. I didn't recommend this dermatologist. I just recommended you go to one. Don't. I didn't recommend this one, though. Correct. I, good clarification. And I sat there in this gown for like a half hour just waiting, <laughs> just sitting there freezing, <laughs> just waiting in this cold room. <laughs> And then she came in for like 90 seconds and was like, that's it. Dude, it was, it was like this. She got a little like spotlight, like, she's like, you're good. You're good. You're good. Here for any particular reason. I'm like, honestly, my friend Jordan said I need to start doing this so that I don't get skin cancer. She's like, but do you have any like trouble spots you're worried about? No, just here preventative, just like trying to do the right thing. And then she scolded me about how I'm supposed to buy the hat that has the long thing that covers my neck and <laughs> how I'm supposed to wear sleeves in the summer and nothing should, it, my hands can see the sun, but nothing else should ever see the sunlight. And now here I am in yeah. December in Minnesota and like just craving vitamin D and serotonin and like just getting re-energized by the sun and just thinking back to that advice that I should basically never be in the sun. I don't like that. I don't like that derm. You got to go to a different derm. I've had way better derms than that. That's good, but I've I've sworn off the industry. Don't swear them off. I swore them off. Obviously, if I see something weird, I'm going to go get it checked out, but I'm not just going to get scolded about getting rejuvenated by the sun. Yeah. And you, you're a big sunscreen guy, though. Well, yeah. Burning is really bad for you. So if you build up a base, you know, it depends what you can tolerate. But if you haven't been in the sun for a while and then you go to UV9, like- be good smart luck. and be cautious. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to make that a, a real staple for 2024. When the fall rolls around, I'm going to make sure to schedule like an October, a November, and a December week in some decent UV. I was going to ask, are you going to go to Florida soon? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going in January. Going with Gary in January and then going uh, with my family again in January. Oh, nice. Like early January, Gary, later January with your family? Mm-hmm. That'll be nice. That's all. Same place or no? Is Gary in Miami? Uh, d- different places. Different places. Got it. Cool. Keep it ambiguous. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to be, you know, we don't need to be. <laughs> this is the internet. <laughs> you never know what's going on out there. I like to keep Dude, a low profile. You truth. taught me that. You taught me I didn't teach be, you that. You taught me that. Always no, assume. You, you taught right? me to be. You taught me to be cautious and maybe even slightly paranoid about life. Yeah, I did teach you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, always assume, bro. My abs are sore. Jordan invented an exercise. No. Yeah, you did. Which exercise? 
Oh, uh, yeah. Your oh, you mean the hanging the leg raise on the cable machine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was sick. That was, it wasn't the exercise. It was just the way to load it. I was just like, man, this is just yeah, genius. The, the loading structure on that. But I've been doing a lot of ab work lately. And I'm I'm a big fan. And a lot of like, you know, lateral flexion, rotation work. But man. Be- because you want your your abs stronger or your core in yeah, general just stronger? stronger. Or just spinal Dude, health. Right. Like, uh, what are you feeling more, from it? I just want stronger abs. But here's here's something. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big mobility guy now. I'm a big mobility guy. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the mentorship is laughing because in their, just the Q&A that we just finished, I was talking about how I'm really getting into mobility work. But like, I've always been into mobility, but never pushing it to the extremes outside of when I went for my splits a couple of years ago and then I hurt my knee. I've taken the last couple of years off, focused more on zone two. Now I'm really getting into more of like the science of, of flexibility and, and mobility. And, you know, even those terms are conflated, but anyway, I'm getting a lot more into it. And I, I've really been working a lot on my hamstring mobility because I want the splits, not just the side splits, but also the front splits and the front splits have much more of, of an impact. Your hamstring flexibility has much more an impact on your front, front splits than side splits. And, um, one thing I'm I'm working on is my my uh, pike, and I'm I've actually been working with this guy. He's awesome um, from Range of Strength. I forget his name. Let me just Google this or uh, look it up on Instagram. So, oh, Lucas Hardy, Lucas Hardy, Range of Strength. He's a beast. Really like this guy a lot, and he's working with me on my pikes. And the pike is essentially. Um, think about like uh, the way the one thing that we've been working on is like not just touching your toes with your legs straight, but like getting your full palms to floor legs fully locked out and straight, which I've never been able to do except when I was like maybe like six years old and you're just Gumby at that age. And so there's my daughter screaming in the background. Um, I was, I kept struggling to get my palms to the floor and Lucas was, was talking to me about compression strength. And essentially how in the, this pike, getting really good at being able to compress yourself down, not just with the flexibility of your hamstrings, but with the strength of your abs, essentially mm-hmm. like pancaking yourself down to the floor, not mm-hmm. just thinking of it as how much can you passively move downward, but how much can you compress yourself downwards at the same time? And so he's had me doing a couple different compression strength drills for my abs uh, that I've then carried over into that full palm to floor touch and it immediately improved, like immediately full palms to floor legs, completely like ostrich locked out legs, completely straight. Um, and for the first time in my life, and it feels actually like relatively comfortable. And I was talking to him, I was like, man, it number one, just always learning, always trying to learn and get better and improve. But it's, it's just so interesting how, Obviously, I've known core strength is important for many different things, but how much it can carry over to mobility in seemingly in in areas that seemingly it's not playing a role. It actually is playing a huge role. It's like really, really incredible. So I, I'm having fun with it. But yeah, my abs are fucking sore because I'm training them a lot right now. And I'm just doing them like in between sessions. So I do my mo- workout in the morning at like seven in the morning and then I'll do work throughout the middle of the day. And then after this podcast, 
I'll have one more podcast. Then after that, I'll just do like a 20 or 30 minute workout, strength workout, just for like abs, just for like, and I'll just add that in. And it's, I'm liking it a lot. That's awesome. I'm glad you're enjoying it and feeling good. Is any, is any percentage of the flexibility related to jujitsu? You know, it's funny early on when I wanted the splits, like a couple of years ago, yes. But as I've gotten better at jujitsu, I've realized that there are ways to get in the positions that you want without needing that flexibility. Mm -hmm. So it's like two years ago, yeah, I wanted the flexibility for jujitsu because I thought that extra flexibility would inherently help me. And I think it would have helped a little bit. But now as I've gotten better at jujitsu, I've realized I can actually be pretty lazy with it and I don't need this insane level of flexibility and I can still get in the positions that I want. Now I want them because I, dude, I, I just want the splits so bad. Like I just want the split. I want them super fucking bad. I want the side splits and the front splits and the pancake just because it's just badass. So that's, that's where it's coming from. Man, the, the meaning in life is really derived from the pursuit of goals. Mm. That's the truth, huh? Yeah. That's the truth. It really is. The mission. It's good. The mission. Mission over everything. We knew it. Yeah. I had a real moment playing chess the other day when I, for the first time ever, they have bots essentially. So in chess, there's ratings and then chess.com has these bots that are like, you know, a 700 rated bot, a thousand rated bot, an 1100 bot. And the higher your rating, mm. the anyway. Um, for the first time ever, I beat the 2000 ELO. Wow. I mean, for me, I was like pumped, but I felt as soon as I realized I was going to win the game, like that the second I realized, oh, I'm going to win this game. I felt worse. Really? Mm -hmm. And it was one of those like, like addicted video game player sessions where I'd been going for like. I don't know. It was like my <laughs> 11th game in a row trying to beat the same bot. And I lost 10 straight, I'm like trying and trying and trying and this like pursuit. And then as soon as I realized I hadn't even won yet, but I realized, oh, I'm going to win this game. I felt worse. Interesting. What do you mean like worse? Like I felt, I don't know if you could rate uh, excitement, meaning, happiness, serotonin. I don't know, something neurochemically on a scale of one to 10. If it was at a 9.5 while I was pursuing, I felt it drop to like a six. Jeez, if that's not a metaphor for life right there, where it's just like that that pursuit of it is really what it's about. Yeah, yeah, which is why it's good to have borderline unreachable goals for to maximize meaning. What's your next goal? 2100 bot? <laughs> well, that wasn't even a goal. I just was procrastinating doing work and uh yeah got sucked in like a video game man i'm never gonna beat you in chess ever there's just no way there was that one time where i almost all you remember that where i like almost did oh yeah we were at we were at your apartment the last apartment you yeah. lived at down on the second floor in like the yeah. study room right yeah yeah there's that one chance I had and you just laughed because you're like, all right, well, now I'm going to chase you around the board. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, I can't imagine how many listeners are enthralled with chess, but anyway, that, that is a real like, you know, it's university is a great example of it. You're going to school for four years or longer and you're in this pursuit. And then as soon as you reach the pinnacle, like you graduate, it's like, oh, what now what am I doing? Now what am I supposed to be doing? I need to find a job. It's like, yeah. As someone even, with a college even, degree. Even, sorry, just to give you one more, even with making money, like as someone yeah. who historically had financial goals, it's like once I get X and then you get there and you're like, oh, I, like this doesn't feel like anything. And then you reset it and you reset and yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, and this is a complete change of subject. I was just going to say as someone with a college degree, I've never been more sure that a college degree is a complete and utter waste of fucking time and money unless you want to be like a doctor or a lawyer or someone who actually needs the college degree. But I've I've never been more certain that for the vast majority of people, it's a complete waste of money, especially at these like, quote unquote, elite universities. Yeah, I I tend to have the same position and and had for a little while. I remember having a discussion with my dad a while back where it's like part of the benefit, and I realized this was part of the benefit for me, was not what you actually learn, although there there are benefits to what you're learning, but you benefit from learning how to work hard. Just like, you know, sports as a kid, um, academics is an avenue, especially university when it's the first time you're truly independent and like have complete autonomy. You don't have parents pushing you or like you, you have less of a routine to be able to teach yourself to work hard and improve that skill translates into other areas of life. I, did, I agree with that. I agree with the principle of that learning how to work hard. I just know from my personal experience and so many of the other experiences that I saw, people didn't learn how to work hard. They learned how to do just enough to, to get by. And I, and like, I, I don't know about you. I, I would imagine that you actually worked super hard and you cared about your grades. I dude, I saw like, for example, I'll give you an example in those huge lecture classrooms, right? Like chem, bio, whatever it was, we had these huge lecture classrooms with 300 people in it. And in order to take attendance, they had these clickers. You'd bring your clicker in and, and they would ask stupid questions at the beginning and at the end, just to make sure you were there. And there were huge groups of people who would choose one person to go to the class and take everyone's clicker. And then they would bump, 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 bump. They would just click every single person's clicker and they would rotate who the person was that had to go to class. And it's like, these were huge groups of people. And, uh, and I don't know, even when I look at study groups, I would look at study groups in coffee shops or in the dorm rooms or whatever it is. No one was fucking studying in these study groups. They were sitting there and they were chatting and da, 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 but like they weren't actually studying. And so I, f I feel like there's a small percentage of people who actually, and especially when we're talking about higher level degrees, maybe like master's degrees or uh, doctorates. And when people are really starting to get like, I don't know, master's or doctors or becoming a lawyer, becoming a whatever it is, that's when I think it really makes sense. But for being a coach or a personal trainer or in for many other areas in the world, like it's, 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 you're putting yourself in a huge amount of debt to get 
knowledge that you could easily, if you have the will to work hard, that you could get for free online and or you could get it uh, for a, at a fraction of the price at certifications or other uh, in books or other things like that without having to sit through these courses that have teachers who have never actually coached anybody or in a number of other fields as well. So I'm yeah, just, look, I'm, I'm, with I'm, you if I'm you're, anti-university at this point. I'm, I'm hardcore anti. If, if your goal is, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to take this into the direction I want to. If your goal is. You want to take it that. <laughs> I want to so bad, but I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> if your goal, look, I never went to a study group because I just saw those as a. Uh, as like hang inefficient hangouts and there were certain classes where if you're actually learning in the lecture you go to lecture if you're not learning in lecture like we didn't have attendance in our 500 person lectures like you were graded based solely on the exams or papers and the way to perform on that is to read the book and and learn the concept and personally i learned better by reading than by listening to someone talk for 90 minutes and so what you described was ways to learn how to work hard. And I like that, like, there's a, I don't even know why I'm playing devil's advocate, because I think I largely agree with you. And I think for coaches, like, no, you shouldn't invest. I mean, if you're going to spend the money, go to a, a school that's affordable, not like some, you know, 50,000 a year tuition. Um, I, I think that the grading system and fact that you're competing against other people uh, is a more structured way to learn than self-education. I, I actually – and it doesn't mean that self-education is bad. Like almost all of my fitness knowledge is self-education. But having structure behind learning something definitely helps. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just, and obviously I'm super biased, but you're super biased by like all the, the, by all the recent, uh, events going on oh, in yeah. the Ivies. Yeah. That's, that's that what, took it, that took it over. That took I it know, over the top for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that took, but like even something like, uh, there's so many amazing courses that you can take online, whether it's, I don't know, precision nutrition for a nutrition cert, like not even like we could even remove like Lyle McDonald's free content or Alan Aragon's $10 a month research review, which I think everyone should, should be a part of. If we're just talking about courses like precision nutrition stuff, fractions and fractions and fractions of the cost of, of a university degree. And you get all of the information, not, I'm going to rephrase that. Not only do you get all the information, you get all of the right information, all of the, the most up-to-date information without all the horse shit that you have to deal with, with a lot of these college professors who have never actually coached anybody or worked with anybody at nutrition or strength training. Like my strength and conditioning professor at, at my school was, had no idea what he was talking about. It's I like, I, so, so you're saying you don't go I mean? to college. You're saying don't go to college for personal training. I thought you were saying don't ever go to college for anything other than doctor lawyer. That is what I'm saying as well. Also that, the, but the, the, the social <laughs> side of it, the four year party, the like, you know, you get out what you put in there. There are other benefits beyond the degree. Yeah. Also engineers, engineers have to go to school. That makes sense. One of my roommates was an engineer and I was like, man, that's fucking wild. That, that amount of work was 
That was insane. Engineers have it tough, dude. Scientists, yeah, go to college. I get it. But if you have what about, to- What about a it, theologian? I don't think they need to go to college. I think they could go somewhere else. Where where was – on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being I hate the idea of college, 1 being I love the idea of college, where were you a month ago and where are you now? A month ago, I was like 4. Okay. 4, like I don't really mind it. Like I'm whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I'm at like 10. College sucks. Yeah. Like okay. you should Good. never Good. Good. support those fucking <laughs> – Anti-Semites, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And not even just the anti-Semites, just hypocrites. Just hypocrites is what it is. Because uh, honestly, I'm not up to date on this. So if you, we can talk about this, but this has to be a little bit of a shorter pod and we got some great stuff to discuss related to how to be build your business in 2024, <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes in. But you're saying hypocrites because now they're using free speech as a justification, whereas before- Correct. yeah. Yeah, literally people are, and it's funny, people, basically students were outside legitimately calling for the genocide of Jewish people, like straight up calling for the genocide of Jews, not saying free Palestine, like actually saying death to the Jews, gas the Jews, saying things that they might not understand when they say like one solution, intifada revolution. It's like, do you know what an intifada, like, do you know what that is? Intifada is like when they were going and bombing school buses and schools and and not just synagogues, but churches and mosques, like killing innocent people when they're just straight up calling for the genocide of Jews, trying to like hurt Jews on campus. And these three presidents of MIT, Harvard, and UPenn went in front of Congress and when asked just the simplest question, does calling for the genocide of Jews constitute harassment and go against your school policy? They said it de- it's context dependent. Meanwhile, insert Jews, insert any other group in there, LGBTQ, uh, black, what it is calling for the genocide of LGBTQ harassment and against your student policy. Yes, absolutely. Boom, done. Is calling for the genocide of blacks against your student your 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 school policy. Yes, done. Is calling for the genocide of Jews against your student your your school policy. It's context dependent. Any other group, they would have immediately said yes, it's against our policy. And they've re- fired professors, they've kicked teachers out for making it an unsafe space before. Uh but for this, well, yeah, so one of them stepped down, McGill from UPenn stepped down. She's still a tenured professor there, but she stepped down from her role. But only after, it wasn't immediately after, she was she only stepped down after a donor pulled a hundred million dollar donation from UPenn. That was the only reason she stepped down. And then Harvard is now standing with their president and MIT hasn't even addressed it. So it's just I'm like, yeah, fuck this. It's it's so hypocritical in in the most disgusting way. It's like Phil fill that in with any other group of people and they immediately denounce it. But for whatever reason with this, they, they have no problem. So I was like, yeah, you guys suck. Yeah. My, my arguments around college are independent of the ideological views of college professors, presidents, elites, et cetera. Yeah. You have a much more balanced perspective of it than I do at this point in time. (laughs) At this exact point in time, that's true. But but what you're saying is obviously correct. Like it it is very hypocritical, and uh, I'm surprised only one of the three is, uh, I guess, stepped down. I thought they were fired, but yeah, they were more they were forced to step down. But they're like she's still staying on as a tenured professor, 
And then Harvard put out a statement today being like, we stand with president so-and-so. I don't even want to say her name. We stand with our president, da-da-da. Like, she said some things that were wrong, but we're keeping her. It's like, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Harvard sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, wow. I selected my dermatologist based on this person's degree. No way. From Harvard. Bro, it Harvard been, it, sucks. It might, have been, it might have been Stanford. But for the purpose of the story, let's just say it was Harvard because it puts a nice little bow tie on this 25-minute fun intro. Dave Portnoy said he's no longer hiring anybody from Harvard, UPenn, or MIT. Now he might do UPenn because their president stepped down. But he's not hiring anybody from those institutions until they remove those, those precedents. He said, if you're already in my business, then you're grandfathered in. But I'm not hiring anybody from those schools anymore. Harvard sucks. MIT sucks. And this is a this is a strong sentiment on the internet right now. Yeah, the only people who are against it don't understand either. Either they're just straight up anti-Semitic, or they don't understand things like what intifada actually means. Yeah. Anyway, pyramid. <laughs> the pyramid of twenty twenty four. Do it, Jordan. The pyramid. Yeah, there he is. The pyramid. Let's go. If you're a, an office fan, then you're going to laugh about the, the power of the pyramid. That's all I'm going to say because I know Mike isn't an office fan. But You know, I dabble. Anyway. I've caught an episode here and there. You don't like it though. Anyway, Michael we're not going to spend time on this because, yeah, you're not a fan of Michael Scott. You're not a fan of that kind of humor. Yeah, there's, there's bits and pieces that are kind of funny. I like plots. I like narratives. I like story. You like archetypes. I love a good, I love a good archetype. Yeah. I think great archetypes in great fiction is one of the best ways that we learn how to live. Oh man. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I'm watching uh I'm watching I like re-picked up Game of Thrones today or yesterday actually. The title Season, season 1 of, episode 1? No, 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 cuz I I was like I think I'm season 4 right now, something like that. Um, oh, you were watching, you just fell off. You were watching during cardio. Yeah, I fell off. And... I was watching other stuff. Yeah. So now I'm back on it. You stopped in the middle of season four? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now I'm back on it though. That's like me watching a movie over the course of multiple days. That's like a, that's an interesting I, place I know, to I did stop. it for several months. I just went into different, different, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different. Anyway, I picked it back up. Episode today, I'm watching Maester Eamon says something fucking awesome to Jon Snow. And it's the title of the episode. The title of the episode, Kill the Boy. Mm. And, and Jon Snow is going, is going through a very difficult time and he has to make really difficult decisions. And he's talking to this hundred year old man, very wise man. And, he, and he's saying, I'm nervous. I think like half the people in underneath me are gonna hate me. And Maester Eamon is like, half the people already hate you. Kill the boy. <laughs> become the man. And it was just like, I was getting my cardio in 15 incline, 3.1 speed. And I was just like, "Mm, let me rewind that, watch that again. And then it was just like, man, kill the boy, become the man, make the decisions not based on what's going to make people like you or hate you, but you've got to do what's right. And it was awesome because Jon Snow was like, I didn't even tell you what the plan was yet. He's like, you don't need to tell me what the plan is. I don't need to know what the plan is. 
You know what it is, and that's what matters. Kill the boy, become the man. Man, that's that's the right way to start off the day. I love it. He he was Lord Commander at that point? Yeah, he had just become Lord Commander. Yeah. And and what was the dilemma? Something related to like teaming up with the wildlings? Or is that later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. he was trying to figure out if he should team up with the wildlings. Exactly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The pyramid. The pyramid. (laughs) All right. So in part one of how to build the online fitness business in 2024, we discussed that expectation of not building to maximize dollars in 2024, but instead uh, you're laying the foundation for the rest of your career, thinking in five, 10, 20 year blocks of time. Uh, the importance of long form content and uh, uh, briefly discussing the importance of having an email list and building your email list. Go listen to the episode. Yeah, of course. Today, what are we talking about, Jordan? Education and documentation (sighs) is what we're talking about today. Let's go. Education. So this is the next part of the pyramid. All right. I'm going to keep this part relatively brief. And actually, you know, it it actually goes in well with what we were talking about, education. You've got to learn. That actually snuck in seamlessly well. You've got to learn to become a great coach. And there are many ways to do this. College sucks. We've already covered that. So you don't need to go to college <laughs> to become a great coach. Um, there are amazing, amazing programs online, whether it's Precision Nutrition's certification, which I, it's it's fantastic. Whether it's Alan Aragon's research review, which is fantastic. Whether it's Lyle McDonald's free information, uh, there are many books that you can get. Uh, there are there is uh, an online fitness business mentorship run by Mike Vacanti and Jordan Syatt. Is you could join it at the link in the show notes. Um, there are many ways you can apply to you educate nece- yourself. You can't necessarily oh, yeah. join, but you can apply. We've changed. You can apply to join. Link is link is in the description. You can apply to join. We're going to see if we're a good fit. And uh, so there are many, many ways that you can figure out or that you can learn and study and educate yourself. And we've spoken about this before, and I'll, I'll briefly say it again. You do not educate yourself on Instagram. Instagram, and I'm not saying you can't educate yourself on Instagram. What I am saying is, Instagram is not the first place you go to educate yourself. You might learn some exercises or maybe uh, be exposed to some new concepts on Instagram briefly, but you can't gain true knowledge and education of of nuance on Instagram. You just can't. You, You just can't. Get it from books. Get it from courses. Get it from certifications. And I know that Mike and I have spoken, we're not the biggest fan of most certifications. I would rather you get a a decent certification than spend more time on Instagram. Mm. I would rather you spend time studying a certification that is okay than trying to get all of your knowledge from Instagram. Um, So if if you're starting out and trying to become an amazing, amazing coach, and specifically you're trying to build a very successful business, but you lack education, you're you're really – you're going to be whiffing. You're you're going to be getting air balls. You're going to be missing. You're going to be missing it. Education has to be a massive foundation of your business. Hundred percent. What do you have to say about education, Michael? What What don't I have to say about colleges and education? <laughs> uh, 
one of the so I, I completely agree with everything you just laid out. And you know, to to give an example or to solidify the argument that you're not learning on Instagram, even if you think you are, think about the process of taking a course and then taking an exam after or taking a college class and taking exams and writing papers like these are active forms of learning where not only are you presented with the information you need but but there are tactics to help you retain and be able to implement that information when you're scrolling through reels and you and you rifle through 200 before bed at night and it's 80% fitness content you're not retaining that you, no. you might you might grasp one idea from that that you even remember, let alone actually know how to implement in the future. And look, there are times where Jordan will text me once every month or two months and he'll be like, hey, Alan put out like a, a really long post that's a carousel and it's all words. And it's basically like half a website article crammed into a, a caption in like 10 pictures, which is actually reading or you know, Alex Viata has has done stuff like that in the past. Like there are instances where you can seek out a great piece of content and learn something from it. We're not saying that you can't, but the majority of what is on any short form content, I don't care if it's Twitter, YouTube shorts, TikTok, you're not retaining that information. And the information itself isn't going in depth to the extent it needs to for you to be able to learn from it and learn what you need to learn. In addition to that, one of the underrated forms of education is experience. Like, I think we learn best by doing. Uh, obviously, a combination of uh, intaking information and then applying it is best. But let's not forget about what we're learning when we're actually working with clients, which is something that's overlooked. And, and we'll have people even in the mentorship who say, you know, I'm working a nine to five right now. I have two young kids. Like I'm, I'm trying to get my online business off the ground. I know you guys talk about in-person coaching experience. Uh, I just don't really have time to take on some kind of formal position as a, an in-person coach. What those people will do is spend one to three hours a week working with people they know in person. Come to my apartment building gym. I'll, I'll go to your garage gym, like family member, friend, deep discount or unpaid, but doing whatever it takes to get that in-person coaching experience because there are so many things that you will learn working with a client in person that you can't learn from a book. Correct. And, and I could start listing off examples, but then we could just be giving examples throughout the rest of this episode little things that you wouldn't even consider like, uh, uh, you know, if you're pairing two exercises together, um, making sure that based on the setup in the gym that that person has, that it's realistic for them to have two pieces of machinery at once and that once and that they're close enough together, that that's actually a workable superset or, um, you know, with a, a population, like a lot of people get good at training themselves because, they're huge fitness fanatics and are really into fitness and have been for 20 years. And that's one of the reasons they became a coach. So you know how to train someone like yourself, but you don't know how to train different demos. And if you're working with someone who's very overweight and, and uh, doesn't have the greatest, um, you know, movement ability, like 
simply programming a, a standing exercise with a lying exercise can either be a really good thing if you want that individual to be standing up and getting back to the floor six different times in that 12 or 15 minute window, or it can be a really bad thing if you don't want that individual going from the floor to standing up. Like depending mm -hmm. on what you're doing, you're not going to read about this in almost any book, but when you're actually working with that population, you're going to learn like, oh, okay, I'm going to give you the whatever. I'm going to give you the standing shoulder press with the insert other standing move rather than something that puts them in a position that you don't want to put them in um, yeah, practically throughout their workout. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, and I think, you know, it's funny, one of my neighbors, she, she has been doing that, not because she's been speaking to me or anything, but I've noticed a couple hours a week, she coaches people out of her garage. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if they're paid. I don't know if they're family, if they're friends, what, but just a couple hours a week, I see her coaching people and she doesn't have a lot of equipment. She's got a yoga mat and some yoga blocks and like a couple dumbbells. And she's got a couple people in her garage every week for, for a couple hours. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. I love it. Um, I don't know if she wants to be a coach. I don't know if she's trying to make money. I don't know what, but I'm like, there's always something you can do. And what I'll say is this, let's say that for whatever reason, you can't coach people in person. Let's say whatever reasons you come up with, I can't coach people in person. The next best thing is doing live Zoom sessions with your clients as they train. Mm. This is the next best thing that you can do to being in person with them. And because here's the difference, when you're with them for that hour, even if it's on Zoom, you're expected to correct their technique in the moment. You're expected to adjust in the moment, right? If they're doing an exercise like, ah, that really is bugging my shoulder. Cool. We're going to switch. We're going to do this instead. Or you know what? Let me look at your technique. Change the change the camera angle so I can see that. Uh, if they're doing a hip thrust and like they're just using all lower back and no glutes, like you have to be like, hey, let's let me adjust this based on what I'm seeing with this camera angle. And in that moment, you have to adjust it. It's I think it is a little bit more difficult, which might actually be good, be good because in person, you can actually get your hands on them. You can put them in a position that you want them to. When you're a Zoom, it's like you can only use your words and then maybe mm -hmm. you have to demonstrate it yourself. So it might actually be even a little bit more difficult, but it could be very beneficial from that difficulty. And, so and beneficial if, in terms of helping you with online coaching because it's more similar verbal. to the type of, of, yeah, cueing and feedback you're going to be giving with an online coaching client. Yeah. So... If you can't do in person, zoom it up, get them online. And, and again, you don't need any equipment. Do some body weight work uh, on Zoom and coach them through it. Don't just do the standard, all right, well, here's your program here. Just do squats and just do push-ups. Like you should be on there with them, coaching them through it, demonstrating, cueing. That I think is one of the biggest things because if you're writing programs for people and, and they're struggling to do the technique properly and the, you don't know how to cue them to actually use right, the, the right technique, you're not going to be a great coach and they won't stick with you for long. And this isn't just with exercise technique. This is also with nutrition. How do you speak to your clients? When they say something, are you aware of how you should respond in a certain situation? Are you, uh, we were actually just talking about this in the mentorship, like when someone who, who wasn't weighing their food, how do you actually bring up to them 
the right, like how, what's the right way to ask, are you weighing your food? Do you have a, a, a food scale? These are, are simple nuances that make a big, big difference in the communication with the client. So n- again, not only studying exercise and program design, and all of that, but also studying psych- client psychology, behavior, uh, communication. These are all things that you should be studying. And again, you don't need to go to fucking college for this stuff. You could join us in the mentorship and we'll talk to you about it in there. We'll teach you in there. That's what we have the mentorship for. Link is in the description. But that that's that's what we need, and and you need to have practical education in this process. Um, and so that yeah, education is is by far number one. I love the idea of like basically if you can't practically get with someone in person for coaching, Zoom is the next best thing. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. I don't think that I've heard you say that or or thought of I it. I didn't. That was the first time. Yeah, just thought of it right now. Really, really good idea. Um, thanks man. It, like at a high level here, we can continue to talk about specifics and tactics, but at a high level, education is on this pyramid because it's unbelievably important for the success of your business. And we're yeah. not saying that like, oh, you know, uh, do it. So it's because it's the right thing to do or like become the best coach you can, because then your clients are going to get the best results. And like, it's uh you'll feel good about it like this is actually a business tactic right like you're you could focus 95% of your time on sales and marketing and social media and or 99% of your time and you'll be able to get clients and make money without being a great coach but you won't be able to retain those clients and and the way that the way that successful online fitness businesses work over years and decades is through retention, right? If you're just churning through clients because you're spending all of your time and dollars working on getting tactics to get more clients rather than on educating yourself so that you can really help each of those individuals, it's going to hurt your business. And so this is, uh, this isn't just like, you know, woo woo, like feel good, you know, do the right thing, but being the best coach you can be and educating yourself is actually really good for business. Yeah. People ask, how can I stand out? How can I stand out in an industry that's so saturated? Fucking be smart. Educate mm. yourself. That's how you stand out. Mm. If you like fr- people think about these business tactics, you know, uh, how do I stand out? What, what wigs should I wear? What ads should I use? Uh, I don't know. Fucking educate yourself. That's how you stand out among the sea of influencers who are showing their labia and fucking just like doing nothing except like trying to use and their penis. body and their peen. All the dudes who are just showing off the peen in the gray sweatpants season. We don't want that. You don't, you don't want to use your body. To, you can use your body, but you don't want the body to be the main focus of your Correct. of your fitness information. Correct. If you want to stand out. Yeah. Don't use your peen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least use the parts of your body that are relevant to your fitness program rather than your brain. Yeah, definitely. But even if you want your, people to your take you seriously, well. use your brain. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. People are like, why don't people take me seriously? Oh, I don't know. Because you're shirtless or like, because like, you, like you're naked in all of your fucking videos. It's like, of course they don't take you seriously. So you're thirst trapping every fucking, it's like, all right, you're doing like a shoulder raise, but all I see is your butt. Of course they don't take you seriously. You're not even explaining what to do or how to do it or why to do it. You're just, come yeah, on. Those are, those are funny like videos where it's a technique video 
but like yeah. the the angle of the camera and everything and like even the the, the like exaggerating some anterior pelvic tilt and like everything yeah. is just pointing at the butt but it's like how to do a lateral raise yeah exactly yeah all right so the next aspect after education documentation hmm. now there's so much to this but and we were again we were just talking about this on the the live q a we did in the mentorship uh one of the newer members in the mentorship was saying how he is just starting making consistent content, but he's getting stuck in the paralysis analysis mindset. He's not sure what to do. And and we were talking about how he should be making content is at the very minimum documenting his process, documenting what he's doing. Document your workouts. And if you want to include some education in there, oh, I'm doing this because I have this injury. I'm making this modification because X, Y, and Z. That's great. But just start by documenting what you're doing. And one of the best parts about this is, number one, it will force you to start educating yourself unless you want to look like an idiot. Like you mm. want to you want to do smart stuff. So you'll you'll be researching exercise technique, exercise progressions, program design. You'll be researching it because you want to actually appear intelligent like you know something. Um, and also it will force you to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Now it's not you just making posts and infographics and tweet posts saying what to do. Now it's you actually putting in the work and showing people that you're putting in the work, which I think is one of the most powerful things you can do is showing people that, you know, you're getting your steps in. One of the things is like, I'll just show people my step count or I'll show people what I'm doing and I'll make a quick video of it. Like when I made the video of me uh, getting my first full palms to floor with legs completely straight. That got a huge amount of engagement from people, especially because it was a topic I've never really addressed very much. And people are like, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to do that. And I couldn't do that for my whole life. But now because I can do it, people want to know, well, what did you do? And now I have to study and I have to learn and I have to go back to the education component, not just to learn how I can do it, but now how can I coach people to do it? How can I educate them? Why is this? Like, what happened physiologically? What happened that let me do this? What happened from a program design perspective? What happened that allowed me to get here? And then how might other people struggle? Like, what are other potential factors that might limit someone from being able to do that? And how could I help coach them through it? So when you don't just talk the talk, but you walk the walk and you document it, you're almost going to be forced to go back to that educational component. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not saying like, you know, walk the talk doesn't mean you need to be stage ready for a bodybuilding show, right? Like, correct. I'm the, not the era. <laughs> me neither. The era of of uh, you know only showing yourself at your absolute best at an unsustainable physique, and then you know hiding for months at a time is over, right? Like when you're documenting. Your whatever platform it's on, like you're consistently showing what you're doing, and and so walk the talk means, you know, demonstrate the the process as well as the types of results that clients can expect to get who work with you through what you're doing on a day to day basis. And yeah, you I have think the I've been fucking this saying up. I've, I've been saying walk the walk. Is it walk the talk? I always said walk the walk. I thought you said walk the talk, so I started saying it. Oh man. All I right. think it's I think it's both. I've heard okay. both. Let's find okay. out. Because you, I like walk the walk. It just sounds a little swaggier, like a little like walk the walk. But I think walk the talk means you're you're behaving you're like you're you talking. talk. Yeah, 
Yeah, walk that the makes walk sense. Versus walk the talk. Hang on, we're Google's about to serve something up. If you say that someone talks the talk but does not walk the walk, you mean that they do not act in a way that agrees with the things they say. Hmm. What does it mean okay. to walk the talk? It means putting your words into action, showing that you mean what you say by actively doing it yourself. I think they're interchangeable. It, yeah, got it. Okay, cool, cool. All right, good. Walk uh, the talk. Yeah, or the walk, but walk one of them. And like for better or worse, it's great marketing. Like as much as I don't like it and it's not uh, – uh, it it doesn't indicate who the better coach is – if you take two people who are completely equal in all regards, but one person takes their own fitness seriously and, and documents it and the other person doesn't, the, the marketing benefit associated with walking the talk is going to lead to person A's business doing drastically better than person B. It's, it's like yeah. we've just seen so many hundreds of coaches build their business or, or some not succeed at building their business or maybe not succeed as fast as they could have that um, documenting your own fitness and, and taking your own fitness seriously will help your coaching business and, and will help you and will help your health and will help your life as well. I was talking to my buddy, actually, this is funny. I was talking to my buddy in Israel yesterday and he went out to lunch with one of his friends who's a personal trainer. My buddy is not a personal trainer at all, like not in the least. But he went out to lunch with one of his friends in Israel who's a personal trainer and they were talking and his personal trainer friend said he was having issues with business, blah, 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 which makes sense, they're at war. Anyway, um, he was like, oh, I have a friend I might be able to put you in touch with. And he was referring to me. And his friend was like, well, who's your friend? And my buddy said, Jordan Syatt. And apparently this kid was like, you know Jordan Syatt, he lost his mind. And and uh, my buddy Ido, he said, he, he said, this quote is like one of the best quotes ever. He said, I love him. You know why? He's just like a regular dude. He doesn't even shave his chest, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. But it's one of those things where it's like that, that mainstream old school fitness model that shaves his chest and oils himself up and is shredded all the time. Like generally, I think that's more, uh, at least from my history, like that's more uh, captivating to a high school, college age dude. And there might be a female equivalent of that at that age as well. But I think for people 25 and up, they're not looking for, generally speaking, they're not looking for the most shredded or for the most jacked. I think you're, they're usually looking for the one who's most relatable. And I have seen huge amounts of people who've lost 25 50, 75, 100 plus pounds who have loose skin, who are not stage ready, who aren't don't look like the 2012 men's health or women's health uh, front magazine cover. They just look like regular people, but they also have a lot of knowledge about fitness who crush it with their business because they document what they're doing and they share about it. It's It's one of those things that are just it's so helpful. And it, if we're, again, if we're talking about standing out, we have standing out from the education perspective, also stand out from the relatability perspective. Mm -hmm. And and when we're talking about standing out from the relatability perspective, the cool part is being relatable. The last thing you want to do is something that most people can't or won't do. 
When you want to be relatable, you want to be a regular person that most people can resonate with. Uh, And I think the amount of people I've gotten who are like, you know, I signed up with you because you're just a regular dude. You're not shredded to bits. Like you're, you don't look unattainable. They, they say like, I would love to look like you and I believe I can look like you as opposed to someone who's like roided out or not even roided out maybe, but like their entire life is everything fitness. They're super shredded. That's all they think about or care about. But then they're online talking about flexibility and sustainability. But, you know, on their own time, they're having rice cakes and tilapia. Like, you know, that's not the life that they're living. It's it's not relatable. And being relatable is a huge advantage in today's day and age. Mic drop. I don't want to out you for all the tilapia you've been eating, so I won't right now, but I just, you know. Ugh. There was a period in my life where I was a big tilapia guy. Not anymore, though. Maybe that's why you hate college, because you were always eating tilapia. I was always eating tilapia. I had that frozen tilapia. I got all those frozen. You remember those frozen tilapia? Oh, I just yeah. get a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Remember that classic YouTube video where the guy was like, yeah, so for breakfast, I have a rice cake with tilapia. And for lunch, I have a rice cake with tilapia. (laughs) Do you remember that? It was a classic YouTube video back in the day, like 2009, 2010. No, I did not. I never saw that one. You were a tilapia guy. Oh, yeah. Take it frozen, put it it straight on the pan. Am I still? No, I haven't had tilapia in. You know what? I think I got weirdly scared of tilapia at one point. Why? I don't even remember. Mercury? No, yeah, it's tilapia is low in mercury. It's just straight protein. It's straight protein, but it was something about like farm-raised tilapia from China and like something bad about it <laughs> that sold me on the fact that China. <laughs> farm-raised tilapia from China. <laughs> we don't have the Chinese tilapia. We don't have it. We don't have it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're, I told you that impression's getting good. The I don't remember why. But yeah, the macros are insane on it. Uh, In college, though, I ate a lot of tilapia. I would just take it frozen, put it on the pan, like cook it from frozen to cooked, and it would burn. Yeah. And then I'd put barbecue sauce on it. Like no seasoning. Sugar-free barbecue sauce? No. Dude, I didn't know about macros in college. Oh. Oh, wow. I thought you did. I mean, not, not my sophomore year when I was having tilapia with barbecue sauce at age 19. Got it. I'll never, I got in an argument. I mean, you knew enough to have like low fat, high protein. I probably read tilapia is good in a magazine or something. Oh, but, got it, but got it, got it. I what was, was the it, argument? The argument I had, I think I've talked about this before. The argument was with an ex-girlfriend and she was talking about <laughs> calories <laughs> and I like scoffed at her and I was like, meal frequency, doesn't matter how many calories you eat. If, if you eat often enough, trust me, you'll get lean. <laughs> It's going to work. <laughs> it's, I was like, the metabolic fire is just always stoking, just constantly eating throughout the day. When in hindsight, I was probably taking 20,000 steps and the types of food that I was eating was high protein, low calorie. And I was eating it consistently throughout the day, but I was probably eating 1800 calories. Yeah. And you don't eat when you're not hungry. You've got that advantage to you as well. Usually if I'm, uh, if I'm dialed. There's different, there's physiological hunger. I think there's also like dopamine deficit related hunger that can lead to overeating Mm. where you want the, you want the, it's not physiological hunger. It's some kind of psychological wanting to feel good, reaching for ice cream for that reason. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Did we, did we hit this portion of the pyramid? Well, 
We hit education and uh, documentation. I think we did. Yeah. Document it. Educate yourself and document it. Let's go. Walk the talk. We're going to be, this is a multi-part series that's going to come together over the next few episodes. And then we're going to sort it into a, into the final version of the pyramid that we will be posting on our Instagram at personal trainer podcast. If you're not following, go give us a follow. We, uh, Jordan just posted there today, actually. I did. The pyramid. Um, if you want to apply to join us in the mentorship, you can do that at the link in the show notes. If you liked this episode, please leave a five-star review. It would mean the world to us. If there's, if you're like, you know, I don't want to leave a five-star review. I'm going to leave a four or a three-star. Just don't even leave it. Only five-star reviews, please. Uh, and that's it. We're going to come back next. Are we going to do more of this pyramid next week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, more pyramid more coming. More pyramid coming next week. Yeah, more pyramid on the way. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone.